Welcome back to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Some twists of fate are magical. Some are a lot less lucky. I don't think that it occurred to me right away. I mean, every recession we've ever had has involved more men losing their jobs than women. Betsy Stevenson was the chief economist in the Labor Department under President Obama. She's now a professor at the University of Michigan. So I didn't necessarily think it was going to be impact men more than women, but it didn't occur to me that it would impact women more than men. And it was only when I started to see where the job loss was that I realized, oh, this is a real problem for women. Last summer, when shutdowns were in full force in many places, well, it also happened to be the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote in the U.S., Stevenson had been tracking women in the labor force and found that by the end of 2019, they were doing amazingly well, hitting record-setting participation numbers. Actually, they had more payroll jobs than men. Then, when the pandemic arrived, the economic downturn that came with it pulled the progress of women in the workforce back decades. At a moment when we might otherwise have been hailing a century of voting, the job market was falling apart. I think I, like a lot of people, didn't quite realize how many jobs were going to be lost in education and health services at the very beginning. Like, you think it's a health crisis. All these healthcare workers are going to be super busy. And then, you know, I I have a radiologist that lives next door to me, and I saw him doing a lot of yard work. And I'm like, what's going on? And he said, we're not doing routine screening. (laughs) Um, And... Lots and lots of people who do the kind of health care that helps us live healthy, long lives actually took a pause. And the people that they were most likely to lay off ended up being women. Stevenson quickly realized this downturn was not like other downturns. And at almost precisely the moment when women were making record inroads in terms of power and access and money there was a big reset and a big setback. She thinks the future is more hopeful, but what happened over the past year is telling. The first issue was jobs and businesses that were shut down, laying people off. But then quickly, there was a second issue. And that, for many, dwarfed everything. Child care. And I think that issue of child care also sort of slowly came to a boil over many months for a lot of people. That that was my personal experience, that it slowly came to a boil. It was also my experience looking at, at other women. You know, I will never forget the night I learned schools were shutting down. Like, I'm just like going about my day. I was thinking about getting the kids to bed, their so school the next morning, and... I, you know, had a lot of work on my plate and I was just completely focused in moving forward. And then I just get this email that our school's shutting down, like effective immediately. <laughs> Did you think like, how can I possibly get any work done here? Yes. And then I was like, but that's okay because you're thinking this is sort of temporary. <laughs> I can manage this. Okay. This is good. Like this will all work out. And that's why I mean when I describe it as slowly coming to a boil is... It's a lot of work looking after your kids in that way. And also, I mean, my experience was that it was very emotional for my children. And so this isn't just about 
oh, I got to do the Zoom school and I've got to do my work. I had to help manage my kids' experience on this. What I personally learned recently is the real problem with the way that we've had to work from home and dealing with our kids is that there's no real time off, right? You can decide you're going to sit down and watch a movie, but you might be thinking about that email that you're supposed to respond to while you're doing it or what you need to do to get your kids set up for the next day or the work project that you haven't currently turned in. And it's really, really hard to fully unplug when your whole life is happening in a very confined space. And so I don't think any of us fully saw all of that happening. And I think that has impacted men and women. But I do think that women have been on a path towards equality in the workplace for a long time. And even though women's labor force participation rate has reached a peak in the late 90s. Really, the last 20 years has still been a period of growth. Women have gotten more work experience. They've gone into more senior positions. They've earned more. That women with young children, they hit all-time high in terms of labor force participation in 2019. So it's just been this march in but I think we've sort of ignored the problem of the lack of equality in the household. And I think just as problematic or maybe even more problematic is there's no infrastructure in the United States to support working parents. We don't have maternity leave as a guarantee. We don't have sick leave as a guarantee. We don't have access to high quality, affordable childcare. But I think the entire country woke up to the insanity that is a developed, wealthy country trying to operate without those very basic investments in our children. So, you know, we spoke almost uh, a year ago. It was July of 2020, uh, just a few months after the pandemic really, really um, started changing things. But I think by that time already, employment levels for women were back where they'd been like in the 1980s. So we're talking about maybe three months. We had rewound about 35 years of progress. Uh, what has happened since? Well, I'm going to start with the negative, but then I'll quickly move to the positive. So what we saw that I think roiled a lot of people was women's labor force participation sharply dropped between August and September as the kids who were supposed to go back to school didn't go back to school. And women who'd been hanging on were just like, can't hang on any longer. I think if you want to tell a story to understand what happened there, again, this is a, this is a fictionalized story, but I think it, it puts it in perspective, which is you had a bunch of dentist's office that closed in March, April, May. They started reopening in, in May and June, but they didn't need all the dental hygienists back. Dental hygienists are primarily female. Like the vast majority of those jobs are held by women. And so you have the, you know, you could have dentist offices that are opening, they're bringing 60, 70% of their workers back. So maybe over the summer, you had, you know, a woman who said, look, I, I don't have any childcare for my kids. The camps are closed. 
but I'll try to come back in September as you guys need to add more people. And September came and then realized I can't go back to being a dental hygienist. I don't have, I have to Zoom homeschool my kids. So you, I tell that story to try to help you sort of imagine what we had was businesses that were opening partially. They were not bringing everybody back. You had bosses and managers who were sympathetic to women who had childcare obligations over the summer. And then you had the realization in the fall that you weren't going to be able to work at all for the rest of 2020. And so we saw this big drop. So that's the negative. I said I would start with the negative. Now, the positive is that we are starting to see the labor market recover. Um, Jobs are getting added back and women are going back, as are men. And the real surprise to me was that increase was driven primarily by women, the rebound in people searching for a job was primarily driven by women. And the other thing is that if you look at the 2008 recession, 2008 recession had a very long tail, right? It took us a long time to recover from it. But if you look at who led the growth in labor force participation, who led the growth in employment, particularly in the last five years, it was women. That's how we got to that point, that point where women held the most non-farm payroll jobs. Women were coming in in 2015 to 2019 at just a higher rate than men. And that reached a capstone in December of 2019 when they held more jobs than men. So if somebody said, "Okay, so clearly it was a very tough year, you know, let's say March to March or April to April or whatever you want to say, but things are opening up again, schools are opening, or in some parts of the country, they've been open a long time. Um, Aren't we just going to go back to the way that things were? Are women going to be changed by things or or will it all kind of bounce back? Well, I think that women are not going to give up their hard-earned gains in the labor market. I also think that what we have been seeing really over the last 20 years is a greater commitment by women compared to men to getting more education, to having longevity in the job, to increasing their labor force participation among prime age, meaning under, say, age 55. And so reversing all of that is going to be really tough. Um, So I think women will go back. I think the real question will be, whether we use the momentum right now to create structures in society that make it easier for both men and women to succeed in the workplace and at home and caring for the people they need to care for. You know, we've, we've had a really bad year in some odd months where we've lost a lot of people. People lost parents or grandparents much before they thought they would. Tragedy struck families who lost younger people due to COVID that you never would have thought would have been susceptible. Like my hope is we come out of this prioritizing caregiving a bit more and prioritizing our relationships. You know, I don't think that the United States leads the world in productivity of workers and in economic growth just because we work harder than everybody else and refuse to take vacations and refuse to take sick days and refuse 
to prioritize caring for our kids. I, I think we have a lot more going for us than that. So it's time for us to join the rest of the developed world and start to prioritize our lives and not just our livelihoods. Are those changes, like the changes that you want to see that that could remake where women stand in the labor force, um, are those changes, is that what you see from the Biden administration in terms of like caring for others and uh, creating the infrastructure for that care? Well, I think the Biden administration has completely novel approach to prioritizing rebuilding the domestic country internally, wants to focus on the United States. He's got this emphasis on caregiving jobs. He's got this emphasis on supporting people who are at the bottom of the income distribution. He wants to take a look at and figure out what to do about the severe inequality. And it's not just, you know, there's obviously lots of discussion of like, what kind of higher taxes should we put on people who have the most but I think trying to say, you know, look, there's some point where, you know, we just shouldn't be okay with all the riches going to the very top. That's not just about we need to tax them once it's happened. That's actually we need to think about what is the underlying structure that allows workers to be so taken advantage of that they can be basically making very little, you know, subsistence almost level wages while a bunch of other people in the company are are getting riches like we've never seen before. And they, there's that in and of itself is sort of a really important structural problem that I think has tentacles that goes through our entire society in ways people might not even fully realize, right? But if we have people who can't support a family working 40 hours a week, five days a week, very hard in their job, then that creates part of this fundamental problem of, you know, I can give you the right to take a day off when you're sick, but if you can't afford to take the day off, then what good is that right? And when we look at things like, why don't people take time off when they're sick? A lot of times people say, I have too much work or I can't afford it. So we have to sort of start to deal with this, the structural problems that mean that there's this constant struggle to be at the top of the pecking order, because if you're not at the top, then you might barely be surviving, right? That's what inequality does to us. So the Biden administration's commitment to trying to make workplaces work fairer for people is also about supporting families. That's what I think of as the indirect. And then the direct is providing more funding for schools, for child care centers, putting together paid leave plans, those kinds of policies. And I think that the this current administration has a real commitment to it. And the question will be whether the country does. And so whether you can get it passed through Congress. A final question for you. Um, last year, when we talked, it, it was the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote in the U.S. And I just wonder what the last year has taught you about, you know, where we are in 2020 and 2021 um, in terms of like women's roles in the family? Um, and, and what did the pandemic show us about that? What I think is that women had 
achieved a lot of equality in the workplace and a lot of equality in the home. If we look at the data, what we see is men work quite substantially more hours in the home than they used to. And women work quite substantially fewer hours in the home than they used to. But it's not equal yet, right? There's still a big gap. Um, and there's two ways we can think about this. One is that the amount of work we had to do at home went up. So even if the gap had stayed the same, a gap that involves a big thing is harder than a gap that involves a small thing, right? Because all of a sudden, we now are homeschooling our kids. So we used to have teachers take care of our kids, but, you know, or teach our kids, but now we're the ones teaching them. Or we used to eat our, our meals in the office. Maybe we bought a sandwich at lunch or even packed our lunch, but like we made the mess in the office and somebody, we had janitorial service in the office. So we used to have some of the work that is now work in the home. It was smaller and it used to be done by other people. And in some families, not all, but in some where you have both men and women who are working full-time in the labor market, there was an imbalance. Women did more. But if you think about like, oh yeah, I'm responsible for getting the kids out the door in the morning, that's a small gap. I'm responsible for dealing with the kids all day long in Zoom school, that's a huge gap. And then the other thing was a lot of times you used well, here's the things that fall on my plate as a woman in my family, but I'm going to outsource some of that. So yeah, maybe there's a disproportionate leaning on me for childcare, but I can hire somebody to help with the kids after school that will pick them up after school and work with them for the next three hours or, you know, so we used outsourcing to cover up the inequality. And I was talking with someone, I feel like I shouldn't, I should let her say this in her own words when she wants to say it without identifying her. But I was talking with a very high profile woman who said, part of the problem was having to come face to face with the reality that there was an equality in my home. And I think about that a lot. Part of the problem was having to come face to face with the inequality in the home. And I think there's a lot of women that are still wrestling with that. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean for my marriage? What does it mean for my, what I want out of life? How can we restructure things? Do I want to restructure things? How did we get there? Is it due to my preferences? Or is it due to the sort of things that society is forcing onto me? And I think a lot of women are, are having to wrestle with that. And I'll just say, I can imagine a bunch of women just bristling that I just said my preferences, but I really like to spend time with my kids. And I, I feel bad because maybe my kids will listen to this someday, but I think more than, than their dad does. <laughs> I like, I, um, yesterday was my birthday and I would never want to do something for my birthday that wasn't with my kids. I just, I like being with my kids. I wouldn't go out to dinner with my my partner on my birthday and just be like, get a babysitter for the kids. <laughs> that sounds awful to me. But I think like he'd actually quite like going out for a dinner that didn't involve kids. <laughs> Maybe getting, you know, a hotel and staying away for the night. <laughs> that might sound like an ideal birthday to him. He loves his kid. He loves our kids as much as I do. They're just some differences. And I don't know, I I'm not going to gender stereotype those differences, but I think that there are preference differences that are are real in terms of how we want to allocate our time. 
I don't think that necessarily means that there aren't huge structural impediments. And I think that's what people need to be able to wrestle with is the structural impediments, the not having affordable, high quality childcare, you know, access to paid sick leave, paid parental leave, the discriminatory assumptions that employers make, that friends make, that family make, all of those make it so difficult for women to have equality in the workforce. And then we can't even talk about what it is that we want our lives to look like without wading into, you know, perhaps feeding into stereotypes that might make things worse for us and and for other women. And so, you know, what my hope is that we come out of this and we have a really good hard think and that both my daughter and son grow up in a world in which they are able to make the choices that they want to make completely unencumbered by gender assumptions about what they want to do and with a supportive social structure that allows them to prioritize their full lives and not just their livelihoods. Betsy Stevenson is a professor of public policy and economics at the University of Michigan. Betsy, thanks so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you today. This is such a a great and interesting and important topic. I just really enjoy the opportunity to chat about it. On our website, we're going to have more about President Biden's approach to supporting parents, to supporting childcare, and the potential viability of that approach in Congress. That's at innovationhub.org. Plus, we'll also have work from a past guest of ours, Melissa Carney, that looks at why there's been a pretty substantial baby bust stemming from the pandemic. Thanks to the people who helped put together this show. Senior producer Elizabeth Ross, producer Mark Zollinger, and associate producer Sarah Leeson. And this week, we bid farewell to our intern, Hannah Kiros, who has been fantastic to have on the team. And Hannah, you've got an outstanding offer for an in-person visit with all of us at the studio. From PRX and GBH, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub. Innovation Hub.